0: Over the past couple of weeks, last week we looked at Second Peter 1 where Peter tells us how God supernaturally intervened to save us and because of this, because of this great salvation, we should make every effort to add to our faith virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness, brotherly affection and love. One uh, commentator called this... Uh, 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 a ladder of godly character the ladder of godly character faith virtue steadfastness or faith virtue knowledge self-control steadfastness godliness brotherly affection and and love when you make every effort to add these qualities to your faith well that peter says there that keeps us from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ if we are not adding these characteristics to our faith, then our relationship with the Lord grows stagnant. We, have, we, have, uh, we are not contributing to that relationship as we should. And then Peter makes this statement, and this is the springboard for today's, today's text. Peter says in, in uh, 2 Peter 1, 9... Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. The problem that we have in what we said last week, what I said last week, was that, that when, when we forget that we have been cleansed, when we have been forgiven, it, it leads to all kinds of, well, it leads to unfruitfulness in our lives. It, it leads to stagnancy. It leads to ineffectiveness in our Christianity. And I've listed several ways that we forget that we have been cleansed. We don't forget the gospel. We don't forget, you know, we know the facts. We know what Jesus did in and, and, and his life, death, and resurrection, and and what he accomplished there, uh, salvation and forgiveness and, and all the spiritual blessings that come through that. We don't forget those facts, but when we say we forget them, what we mean is we are not living in light of that truth. We're not living in response to that truth. That truth ceases to, to have an impact upon us, and when we forget that, that's what Peter's talking about. We become ineffective and unfruitful. Peter says that the person who has forgotten that he's been cleansed is actually spiritually blind. You, you get to where you can't really see your way forward. Now, When I said that last week, the the comment that I, you know, some people said something about the sermon and comment on one aspect. There was one particular aspect of the sermon that got commented on more than anything else, and it was this this idea that, that one of the ways that we forget the gospel, forget that we've been cleansed, is through allowing bitterness to take root. And several people commented on that, and I thought... Well, that needs some more development then. If we're thinking about that, strikes a chord. And I think it's true because bitterness can easily take root. And so let's look at Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word to us today. Well, forgiveness is a, a sweet word. i just love to hear that word forgiveness or that you're forgiven. It's not such a sweet word when it refers to or applies to the person who has wronged us when You know, it's nice to be forgiven, sometimes it's very difficult to be forgiving. Love to be forgiven, but sometimes it's very hard when we've been wronged to be forgiving. Well, in this chapter 18 of of Matthew, uh, Jesus has been teaching his disciples about church life and church discipline christ desires for his church to be a place of humility and service and a place where uh, people are restored and there's reconciliation where people who have strayed are are welcomed back in uh, as they repent and, and and want to to come back home and if one brother sins against another brother there's reconciliation through truth and repentance you see there in just the previous verses to this the the section that we've read well if we think about the fact that this is speaking to the disciples and he's referring to how life should be in the church we can understand that a, a sure way to cease to grow as a church is when members allow past wrongs to embitter them if we uh, become a church where there's a lot of contention, where there's bitterness between people in the pews, well, you it, when that happens, when you have a lot of bitter people, you have a church that ceases to be joyful, and Christianity loses its uh, winsomeness. Or well, you have a, a bunch of Christians in the pews who have a perpetual frown on their face, and they're just not pleasant because they have let the root of bitterness get down deep. I like Scotty Smith is a, a retired pastor. You know, he's not really retired, but he's retired from the pastorate he teaches um, in Nashville. And he says this in a, in a prayer that uh, actually Norman Bagby gave me. He says this, some of us have fertilized roots of bitterness in our hearts with miracle growth. Poisoning our joy with resentment, anger, and unforgiveness. It's easy to do when you've been wronged. Forgiving us, forgiving someone uh, who has deeply wounded us, it seems like a daunting task sometimes, and sometimes it can even seem to be an impossible task, especially when there's a, a long history there. But it is not impossible, god commands us to forgive one another from the heart and if we look at the the parable here we see that the 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 first step in forgiving someone is first to realize how much you have been forgiven and cleansed by the lord Now this parable begins with Peter asking a question. They've been talking about repentance and forgiveness of someone who sins against you. And and Peter uh, is trying to apply this. And he says, you know, how many times do I need to forgive someone who's sinned against me? And they keep on doing it. Seven times. Of course, in those days the rabbis taught that uh, you were obligated to forgive someone three times. And after that you could say enough is enough. Well, Peter's being generous here. He's going to go all the way up to seven times. I'll forgive someone seven times. And that'll surely impress the Lord <laughs> and and uh, and answer my question. And, and, but Jesus responds like he would have never imagined. Jesus says you must forgive 77 times or 70 times 7, depending on your translation. Jesus is not given an exact number here. Uh, the point is you just... There's never an end to forgiveness, to forgiving those who have sinned against you. It's not 77 or 490, but never stop forgiving, being forgiving. And I wonder if Jesus is actually picking up language from Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, uh, Moses is tracing out the, the line of Cain, and you, you see uh, several wicked people highlighted there. One of them is Lamech. Lamech uh, married uh, two women, Ada and Zillah. And his, he has a speech that's recorded there in chapter 4, 23 and 24. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. So it's a parallel. we got the sevens and then the seventy-sevenfold or seventy times seven there. Lamech was obviously wicked and he got revenge. Well, Jesus is saying in my kingdom it's the opposite of Lamech's attitude. My kingdom is one where there is forgiveness and mercy, not vengeance. The opposite attitude is what should be occurring in Christ's kingdom. So to illustrate this point, Jesus tells this parable, and it breaks down into three different scenes. We'll take them in turn here. First, we have scene one with uh, the first servant and this king, who is obviously a wealthy king. And he's selling accounts with his servants. And these servants, maybe they're tax collectors or they handle his money somehow or some sort of financial, uh, they had some sort of financial uh, work that they were doing for the king. And this one particular servant who's pointed out here, he obviously had dealt a lot with the king's finances and he finds himself having accumulated a great debt that he owed the king. Now Christ says here that the the servant owed the king 10,000 talents. Now a talent was something like uh, 20 years worth of pay. 10,000 of those. So if you do the math, that's a, somewhere between 150 and 200,000 years' worth of wages. I and mean, Jesus is just throwing a number out there that's so way over the top. This guy, you know those numbers like quadrillion and pentillion that, that have no meaning because they're just so big, we can't even imagine that much money. A billion, you know, is some people are billionaires. That's, I can't imagine that. But this guy owed billions, this is what Jesus is saying. He just owed so much money, he could ne- it, was, it was impossible for him to ever pay it back in any lifetime. He clearly didn't have the money, so the king ordered his servant and his family to be sold into slavery and thrown in prison. And the man falls before the king and he begs him to have patience with him. And he promises to pay everything he owes. You know, just, just be patient and I'll pay him off. It's not, that's never going to happen. He, he's not able to do that. Now the amazing thing about this is is that the king does have patience with him, but he doesn't set up a payment plan. He just forgives the debt. He eats it. The king eats this debt. Forgave Forgave him billions and billions of dollars worth of debt. Just wipes it clean. And in that picture of how Jesus treats his people, we come to him for mercy he doesn't set up a payment plan. He forgives us. He cleanses us. He wipes the slate clean. We don't repay. We're forgiven. And our status is restored. We are as if we had never been in debt before. We are restored in good, to good favor with Him. We have that in our possession when we are forgiven. And that is what we should never forget. That's what the point of this parable is. We should never forget that if we are a believer, if we are a Christian, that we have been forgiven more debt than we could ever imagine because we sin against the Lord, thought, word, and deed all the time. And, and most, many times we're not even aware that we're sinning against the Lord. The Lord has cleansed us and restored us. Well, that's the first scene, beautiful scene. It pictures the, the great mercy and forgiveness that we have with the Lord. But then in the second scene, we see the servant going out, verse 28 and through 30, and he, he finds one of his other servants, servant number two, and he, he grabs the guy, begins to choke him, and demands payment. And this fellow owed the first servant a hundred denarii. Now, a denarii was a day's wage for a common worker. That was, that's what your Bible notes will say. So, this guy, you know, is a hundred denarii, maybe a couple thousand dollars, in, if, if, if we wanted to put it into our parlance today. You know, a manageable debt. You probably didn't have it on him, but a manageable debt that he legitimately could repay. But then you have this first guy who'd been forgiven billions of dollars worth of debt grabbing him, just seizing him and began to choke him. And you see the hypocrisy flowing through. You'll notice that the second servant, the one that's getting choked, <laughs> how he speaks I don't know, but he, in the midst of being accosted by this first servant, he uses the exact words that the first servant used to the king. Be patient with me and I will repay your debt. And that was completely lost on the first servant. The first servant doesn't hear the echo of his own words in the other servant's mouth. See, he has forgotten that he was forgiven an unpayable debt and he's demanding this small debt be paid immediately by this man. You see, it's a picture of what we're like when we are unforgiving towards our brother or sister who's sinned against us we've forgotten that we have been forgiven much forgiven much more than we're being called on to forgive well the third scene is the climax of the parable verses 32 to the end of the section 32 to 35 the king finds out from some of the fellow servants who saw this Play out and they report it back to the king, and the king is astounded and he summons the first servant. In light of how this servant has treated his debtor, the king orders him to be taken away and tortured until he paid his entire debt. And Christ gives us the payoff at the end. Christ then concludes by showing that the king represents his heavenly father. And that parable is meant to warn Jesus' followers of the consequences of not forgiving your brother from your heart, not just as a show, but from your heart, he says. But if we continue to hold a brother's sin against him and find no room in our hearts for mercy and forgiveness, we are acting like that hypocritical first servant in the parable standing over our brother in judgment choking him metaphorically speaking and it shows that our hearts aren't right with God if we do that so today three things that we need to draw from this passage first of all that we have an insurmountable debt of sin you know the law demands uh, strict obedience God is a perfectly holy God Every jot and tittle of it must be fulfilled. And as James tells us, if we've broken it in one part, we've broken it all. It's been destroyed. It's been broken. And by nature, we we do. We break it. We break God's law constantly, consistently, and easily. Those words from Gerald Bilks in his little book on the parables... By nature, we break God's law constantly, consistently, and easily. And our debt quickly runs up like the first servant into the billions. Mountains of sin against us. And we can never pay it off. We have to see our own sin as it is and cry out for the Lord's mercy. And he will forgive us. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved so we need to see how much we have been forgiven we also need to be aware that we are tempted to have a double standard when it comes to others and ourselves who have those others who have sinned against us and we can metaphorically stand over some some offending brother or sister we can grab them by the neck metaphorically and ignore our own sin before god well if we want to be free from that we can be it, it it is difficult when people have sinned against you but letting the root of bitterness grow only hurts you and it hurts the church as well when there's people who have wronged one another you know our church has been here for 120 almost 127 years and and uh you know when you're in close proximity with people, you, you knock up against one another. There's, sometimes there's conflict, and holding on to those past hurts uh, is, is not helpful to you. It's, it allows the root of bitterness to grow deep, and it makes you lose the joy of your salvation. And it wounds the church, causes the whole church to be ineffective and unfruitful. So, we need to be forgiving of one another, and that's the second thing. Uh, the third thing is we need Christ. That's the ultimate thing. And as we come to the Lord's table today, it's just a reminder, of, you know, to what Christ has done to forgive us. You know, we see the, the gospel on display here, that Christ shed his blood, his body was, was broken so that we could be cleansed from our sin and forgiven. And the table reminds us of, of that. We cannot survive on our own we need his grace and mercy to cleanse us and forgive us and to enable us to forgive others because when it's when someone has really wounded us we need some supernatural activity in our lives in our hearts to be able to forgive from the heart in an unbounded way may God grant us grace To understand how much we've been forgiven and how much we need to forgive let's pray together heavenly father we we do pray that you would grant us forgiveness forgive us for being embittered against others forgive us for not being forgiving lord we pray that you would heal old wounds and Take out the root of bitterness that has grown in our hearts. Lord, restore to us the joy of our salvation. And Lord, as we come to the table today, we pray that underscored for us, especially in in all that the table means, this one point, that you went to the ultimate lengths to forgive us an incredible debt. And we thank you that we don't earn it. We don't deserve it. and We don't pay it back. It's a free gift from you. And Lord, may we appreciate that all the more. May we not forget that we have been cleansed. May we continue to live out of that truth, especially in forgiving others, but also in how we live out our lives on a day-to-day basis. We pray that we would never forget the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.